You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and I want to make sure that you know that my Flex of Gold journal is on sale now to celebrate the holidays. This special journal is only discounted twice per year, so don't miss out on the lowest price you'll ever see on this journal. It's marked down $5 right now, and you can get an additional 10% off as a listener of the show by using the code 3 in 30 So what is the Flex of Gold journal? This is a three-year journal for women to help you focus on the golden moments within your motherhood. You simply write down one treasured moment per day, and sometimes that is really hard to find, and it slowly starts to change the way you see your children and your life. One mother named Brooke, who's been using the journal for a few years now, said this, Flexible journaling has changed everything for me. In the beginning, there were days where I felt like I had to really sit and think about something, anything, that might have happened that was good that day. However, as I continued journaling, it not only became easier to think of those golden moments at the end of the day, it also became easier to notice them while they were happening in the moment, end quote. A flexible journal is the most meaningful gift you could give or ask for this holiday season because it's more than just a journal. It brings with it an entirely new mindset about your motherhood. Go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to get $5 off the journal through December 5th and use the code 3in30 to get an additional 10% off. That's 3in30podcast.com slash F-L-E-C-K-S-O-F-G-O-L-D. Welcome to 3in30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. One of the greatest blessings of my life is that I grew up living close to my grandparents. For the first eight years of my life, I actually lived just a mile or so away from them, and we attended the same church every week. Even after we moved to a different town, we were only a 25-minute drive, and we made that drive often. We shared family dinners, holiday traditions, and sleepovers at their house, where we stayed up late playing rummy cube and poker. When I was a teenager, my grandparents came to all of my choir concerts, voice and piano recitals, and school plays. They were truly a part of my high school experience and got to know my friends, who all called them Grampy and Grammy. Even as I moved into adulthood, they were a key part of my life, and I have such fond memories of calling them from my college dorm room, and then on my drives home from work during my first few years as a high school English teacher. I tell them all about my students and what I was working on, and they were my biggest, most biased cheerleaders, telling me what an amazing teacher I was and how lucky those kids were to have me. They supported me through my infertility journey, calling often to find out how I was doing. And when Noah arrived to us through adoption, they were his favorite babysitters. We had the lucky chance to live close to them again for the first two years of Noah's life because my husband matched for his pediatric dental residency at a hospital near their home. They helped me so much with my colicky and strong-willed baby. My grandma would get on the floor and play cars with him, and my grandpa was the first person to sneak him a taste of ice cream when he was far too young for that. And Noah absolutely loves that story. There's really no way to put into words the impact that my grandparents have had on my life. And when they passed away in 2019 and 2021, I mourned deeply and also marveled that I had been so blessed to have such incredible mentors in my life. 
Not everyone is lucky enough to have had such a close relationship with their grandparents, but I can tell you from personal experience that it richly blesses a child's life when he or she has the opportunity for this kind of cross-generational nurturing. My podcast guests today are on a mission to make that possible for more families. Richard and Linda Iyer are parents of nine children and grandparents of 34 children. They have been writing books for decades, and between the two of them, they've written 52 books, including several New York Times bestsellers. They've spoken to groups all over the world on the topics of parenting, life balance, and family strengthening, and they are now devoting their research, writing, and teaching to their current phase of life, grandparenting. The Ayers are interested in learning how to be the most intentional, proactive, and loving grandparents they can be, even to their grandchildren who don't live in the same state as they do, and they are passing on the best of what they're learning to other grandparents through their new online course, which is called Grandparenting 101. You're going to hear so much more about that course in today's episode. This conversation is for those of us currently raising children as we think about the kind of relationship we want to help foster between our parents and our children. And this conversation is also for parents who are done raising their own children and are entering into the phase of being empty nesters and grandparents. I know you're going to love learning from the Ayers as much as I did. I do want to make one note before we jump into the interview. If your parents were not emotionally safe or available to you as a child, and you simply cannot involve them heavily or at all in your children's lives, that's okay, and please do not let this conversation make you feel bad. I know you're doing what's best for your family, and I also know that by listening to podcasts like these, you are breaking generational cycles and becoming the loving parent that you deserved to have when you were a child. That is incredibly difficult and important work, and it's pretty amazing to think that you will be a grandparent someday, that your children will be able to trust in their children's lives because of the ways you're changing your family's story. Keep going on that cycle-breaking path, and I'm cheering you on always. And on that note, let's dive into the episode, which I hope will be full of wisdom and joyful ideas for all of us to consider. Here's my conversation with Linda and Richard Iyer. Well, I'm so honored today to have some of the best parenting mentors ever on 3 and 30, Richard and Linda. Thank you so much for coming and being on my podcast. We are so happy to be here. We have known you for a long time, Rachel, and we so love all that you're doing for parents. We love that you're a how-to person, Rachel. We build our whole writing career around trying to give practical how-to things to people. And, and you start out on your notes by saying, I'm a lover of practical ideas. So we love you and you love us. <laughs> <laughs> so it works both ways. Yeah. And I have to say, I first was introduced to you probably 10 years ago when I was writing for Power of Moms and your daughter, Saren, was the co-founder of Power of Moms. And I had the honor of coming to your home for a retreat and hearing you speak and was blown away. You've raised nine children. And over the years, I've just learned more and more about you and have just become more and more impressed. Your daughters recently started a podcast that I'll link in the show notes where they talk about their experience of being raised by the two of you. Every episode, I'm like, man, Richard and Linda were incredible parents. (laughs) So unique, different, values-based, really intentional about the way you raised your children. You're so nice, Rachel, but you could say crazy too. I mean, if you well, and, and I imagine, imagine what an experience it is for us to turn into their podcast each week. It's called In the Arena, and we never know what they're going to say. We don't know what his secrets they're going to reveal. It's anticipation mixed with fear for us. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that they say something like a unique and quirky family or something is how they word it. And yeah, yeah. you guys really are so special, the intentional way that you raised them. We've been so blessed. You know, we didn't start out to be parenting writers. We were going in a lot of different directions, including political and marketing and a lot of other things. Linda's a musician, but we began writing to parents and thinking about parenting because we realized through some experiences we had that sort of everything starts with the family. I mean, everyone says that, but it's really true. And even just today, I haven't even told Linda this, but I was watching the BBC. They had just done a poll, Rachel, and it's a global poll. And they were trying to ask essentially whether people felt better or worse about their mental health and their well-being from before the pandemic. And they expected that there would be a big downturn, that people would have suffered a lot of mental health uh, defects from the pandemic and so on. And they were surprised that more people felt better after the pandemic mentally and in terms of well-being. And, and this is what interested me. Among those who have children in their home, 45% felt better. They felt they they thought the pandemic was actually positive to their mental health and well-being and only 30% negative. And they got into the reasons why, and you can guess, I mean, the pandemic brought us together. We refocused our priorities. We realized that what really matters is our children and our marriage and our family. And that's why we feel better. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's astonishing. I'm going to need to go look up that survey because I feel like so much of what you hear is how much damage the pandemic yeah. has done, which we know that it has. Sure. It has in a lot of ways. But I had that experience with my family of just drawing close together, cutting the distractions because we couldn't go to right. all the after school activities and everything. And we really had some special weeks and months during that time. We also had some very, very difficult time when I was doing distance learning with my kids. That was awful. But yeah. uh but yeah, I do think there are some positives for families that came out of that. Well, it's pretty amazing what has happened. We had a fabulous time during COVID because we had a Zoom call with our daughters and daughters-in-law. We have four of each of them. And I know them so much better than I did two years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. we just took time, an hour, once a week. Everybody was available. <laughs> And we just spent an hour. Well, and, and you can do a lot of theorizing about why people answered this way on the poll, but it's a global poll, every Western country in the world included. And globally, I think the simple explanation is just what you said, Rachel. It caused us to reprioritize, get rid of some distractions, focus on what really matters and what's important. And even the hard times, in a way, are part of that building of identity and family mm. culture and community. So anyway, that starts us off on a really optimistic note. Families are where happiness lives. Yeah. And I love, Linda, what you said about how we prioritized connection with different generations, even over Zoom and FaceTime. And right. we started a weekly call with my dad that we've continued because we just oh. really enjoy that. My mother passed away when I was a teenager. So my dad's living alone now, and he really needs that connection with his grandkids weekly, and we love having it. So I think that leads really well into what we're going to talk about today, and that's the power of grandparents in a child's life and how to be a loving grandparent and support and mentor to your grandchildren and your children as they're raising children. You have really pivoted a lot of your work from 
talking about parenting to now talking about grandparenting, which I think is amazing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And Rachel, before any of your younger listeners tune out, let me just emphasize that what we're really talking about is three-generation families and the mm. teamwork that needs to take place, ideally, between parents and grandparents for the good of those children. Yes. And so what we're feeling, what we're pushing now, what sort of grandparenting movement that we're trying to catalyze, it's it's equally for parents and grandparents. And frankly, one of the biggest issues, and everyone listening will identify with this, it's a touchy thing about understanding that the parents are the stewards. They're the ones in charge of the children. And if grandparents approach it incorrectly and come in heavy-handed or step on the kid's toes or tell them, here's what you don't know that I do know, boy, that can destroy not only a relationship, but it can adversely affect the grandkids. On the other hand, if it's approached properly with a teamwork approach, you're the leaders, parents, but we want to support, we want you to give us guidance about what your children need and how we can help. It can be a beautiful thing. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to go into three takeaways and try to get as concrete as we can for how to develop this relationship between kids, grandkids, and their parents. So what is your first takeaway for us about how to grandparent well and how this relationship can bless our families? I think the first one is really that the relationship between children and grandparents can be a really huge factor in their long-range confidence and resilience as a child. Grandparents can really make a difference. It has just been so fun for us to be the cheerleaders instead of the organizers and the getter tours and so on, and we do some of that too, but it really is so fun to be the cheerleaders and the champions for these kids. Because, you know, parents, Rachel, have a lot of responsibility. Let's face it, the discipline, the providing, Everything that happens in a family really falls on the parents, which essentially, in one way of looking at it, frees up the grandparents to essentially be the, we call it, we, we love the word champion, not in the competitive sense, but in the sense of the verb, championing those kids, giving them confidence, helping them to see their gifts, being that sort of, you know, we all want to give uh unconditional love, but that's much harder for a parent <laughs> than for a grandparent. Yeah. Well, I can give a personal testimonial to this because this is what my grandparents were for me. Oh, oh that's, good. that's good. And when I hear you say champion, that is what they were for me. They made me feel like the most special, talented, I could do anything in this world. I mean, that's the feeling that they gave me. And they both passed away in the last couple of years. They lived long, good lives. But I have missed them so much because I feel like I lost my champions a little bit. And I know that they instilled that in me. I still have that love inside of me. They made me more resilient. They made me more confident. But that relationship, you're right, it's unlike any other relationship. So when my grandpa passed, he was the last of my grandparents living, I thought, I've really lost, I mean, I miss that feeling of someone thinking that I am just the greatest in all the world. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? Well, that and so fun. And you're his legacy, Rachel. That's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. So 
I know, though, as I were talking and thinking about my grandparents, so everybody didn't have these wonderful grandparents. No, you're, I think you're rarer in that. That's right. one reason yeah. that we are so adamant, because one of my grandmothers died in the Spanish influenza 100 years ago, which wow. was a huge epidemic. I never knew her. Another one was blind and just sat on the side, never really saw me, and I didn't have a relationship with her. And so I think everybody comes, coming from where you're coming from is fabulous, but that other people may not have that support. And yeah. that's what we're yeah. talking about. It's amazing how many grandparents, Rachel, are, are, well, there's a lot motivated like you. They're saying, I want to be as good as my grandparents were to me. But frankly, there are even more who are saying, you know, I want to do what my grandparents didn't do for me. I want to have that relationship and have that involvement. Grandparenting is kind of where parenting was 50 or 60 years ago, you know, and parenting wasn't even a word. I mean, parenting was just something you did. There were a few books, a few, there was sort of Benjamin Spock's book on baby and child care. That was it. It was sort of an instinctual thing. You just tried to do it. Mm -hmm. And look what's happened with parenting. It's this huge skill and art form and so many philosophies, ideas, how-tos, everything. And I think that's where grandparenting is going. Grandparents, they want to know how to do it. They don't want to rediscover the wheel. They don't want to do it by trial and error. They want someone to say, look, here's some things that work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by KiwiCo. The holidays are fast approaching, and something I strive for every year is to have some gifts for my children that offer more than just instant gratification. If you're with me on that, KiwiCo is here to help you give awesome. With each craft, engineering, or science kit, your child will get the experience of creating something, and you'll be giving so much more than just a toy. They'll get a season of discovery and experiences delivered straight to their door. My son Noah loves to create, and it's way beyond my capacity to find a project that challenges him. I'm so grateful KiwiCo does it for me. Recently, Noah has been doing projects from the Eureka Crate, which inspires little innovators to think about the design and engineering behind everyday objects. The electric pencil sharpener project was perfect for his engineering brain. It even came with a pencil set and notebook. With nine different subscription lines for different ages and categories, there's something for every kid. Give awesome this holiday season with KiwiCo. Get your first month of any crate line free at kiwico.com slash 3 and 30. That's your first month free at kiwico.com slash 3 and 30. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Do you ever wish life came with a user manual? Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, becoming a parent, or becoming a grandparent. It's normal for you to feel stuck or burned out sometimes. There are so many logistics to consider every day, and that can lead to decision fatigue. I know for me, I want to be present during the holidays, not burned out and withdrawn. That's why I'm so grateful to have a trusted professional counselor in my life to help me process my experiences and my roles as a parent, business owner, wife, and friend. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash 3 in 30. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash 3 and 30. One thing that I love about your work is it seems like you have a lot of concrete 
practices that you have woven in with your family, you know, like the five facet review that you did with your children when they were growing up, different things like that. Do you have concrete ways, things that you do to make sure, because you have a lot of grandkids. How do you make sure that you are being that champion, that influence in their life? That's going to be our second takeaway. And what are your sort of traditions or routines around that? Well, that's a great question, Rachel. And if you just sort of say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be their champion. You fall into very general patterns and you're like, hey, all your grandkids are great, you know, and you're not very specific and you're not very individual. So one of the things we were taught in our Grandparenting 101 seminar just last session was we challenged all the grandparents to get a, a really nice journal of some kind, a, a notebook, or if they prefer to have a folder on their computer, but to have a section for each grandchild where they are actually compiling everything they know about that grandchild. And we even have an interview form, a questionnaire of the questions you ask this child one-on-one, not in a group, because just like parenting, Rachel, the real grandparenting is not collective. It's individual. It's when you're sitting with one child. And I tell you what, grandkids love seeing that you're taking notes on them. You're asking questions, you're writing things down. And they're like, wow, that is a start at making them feel important. You matter so much to me. I want to know everything I can about you. And I'm writing it down because I want to support you and I want to understand you. And it's a beautiful thing to start off. Mm -hmm. Well, I also think that it's so important to actually write down and, as you said, be intentional. Since I've been thinking about you, Rachel, I think I'm going to do flecks of gold for grandchildren. That is a fabulous idea because we have 34 of them. And one of them lives in Switzerland. We have two families in New York right now. We have a couple in Hawaii. But there are ways, if you really are determined to be connected, to write it down. Yeah. And you know, what's everything from, you know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite sport? And into things like, what's one thing you do really well? What's one thing you don't do well, but you wish you could do well? Even though you're just young now, what's one thing you're sure you're going to do during your life? What scares you? What scares you? It's just just these probing kind of questions that make kids think and they understand that you really want to know them. Yeah. And I love the idea of building it in around something like a date that you'll remember. So maybe it's like that child's birthday every year you do this interview. Or I know some families do like grandma camp or grandparent camp where, you know, there's a week every summer where the kids come and it's just a tradition. I'm sitting by the Grammy camp guru. Oh, I love that. So much fun with those kids. And it used to be we could spend more time, but now it's just three hours. But I, I want them to know what I love. I love art and music and the scriptures. So They have my favorite scriptures memorized. I send them a little list, five great art pieces and five fabulous music pieces. And then we have a little fun time when they get money, if they can identify those, you know, and it is just so fun. I mean, we've done a lot of different things through the years, but Grammy Camp is just so special because that is the time that you have. We have to divide it into small groups, like four or five kids, but wow, we have so much fun. Oh, that is so fun. And I, I do a thing called Grandfather's Secrets. We used to call them Grandfather's Principles, and nobody cared a bit about them. And then I changed the name to Grandfather's Secrets, and now they all want to know them. 
<laughs> yeah, well, tell us more about grandfather secrets. Well, they start when they're eight years old. We think that's the starting point for some of these conceptual thoughts. And they're pretty simple. I mean, the early ones are things like uh, the Holy Ghost will help you with all your decisions, large and small. And you could alter that depending on your religious belief. And then there's one, number four is Good popularity comes from being nice to everyone, and at last, bad popularity comes from only being nice to certain people, and it doesn't. And then we always have them tell practical experiences they had where they learned that that was really true, and it's just so much fun. And see, that's something a grandparent can do much easier than a parent because, yeah, hey, I... I'm just looking back and giving you some secrets here, you know? Yeah. I left out one thing that we always do, Gregory Kemp, and that is talk about yeah. our ancestors. The ancestors. Because story. we are the connection to them. We're the ones that need to keep that alive. Because what we've found from people who've done a lot of research is that kids are more resilient and more able to come back from hard times if they know about their ancestors. Yeah, where they came And the from. hard times they've come from. Yeah. Mm. It really is amazing the difference that can make in a child's life. Yeah. And how do you introduce them to their ancestors? Do you tell them stories or how do you weave it in? Well, let me let me embarrass Linda a little. Linda, Linda actually, and I don't know that everyone would do it this way, but she created an oil painting of a tree, a great big stylized tree where our pictures on the trunk, we're the trunk. And then as the roots go down, here's their four grandparents, their eight great grandparents and so on, all with a picture. We're able to find pictures online wow. back to the third generation. And each of those roots, there's one story that we tell over and over about that person until the grandkids really know it and they understand, mm. wow, I'm one-fourth from that grandfather or I'm one-eighth from that great-grandfather and that's the kind of person they were. I've got that in me. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. I love these concrete ideas for how to do it. It is so fun to see these grandkids and we just gather them when we have them up at Bear Lake at a little place there and everybody doesn't have a chance to do that, but we have three and a half days when all 52 of us are usually there. And it is just so fun to snap them away for an hour here and an hour there and go through the things that we know that we want them to know. Hey, Rachel, you used the word deliberate and intentional. I love those words for grandparents. And that's, I mean, the name of my book to grandparents is being a proactive grandfather. And that sort of suggests the direction we're going in. I mean, this is like, what concrete steps can I take? How can I coordinate it with the parents so no one's ever offended and so we're always on the same page? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I do think this leads well into our last takeaway, which is really about that it can be tricky, the balance between a parent's role and a grandparent's role. So can you lead us through your third takeaway about differentiating those two different roles in a child's life? Well, let me just put it simply, and then Linda may want to expand. If you're a grandparent, the first thing you should do is take your children, the parents, one at a time. This is not a group thing. Take, take that one daughter or that one son with, with his or her spouse to a lovely restaurant, a good setting, and have this initial meeting saying, we want to be more proactive. We want to help you more. We want to support you more in the raising of your kids, but we understand that you're the steward, we're the support, and we want you to tell us what you think. And we have another questionnaire for that, by the way, if parents want to work, they fill out a questionnaire about where they want help and where they don't, or you can just do it verbally. And then what we've found is that that becomes 
a regular meeting. Some even do it once a month. Some do it once a quarter. It's the team, the grandparents and the parents meeting together, children in charge, grandparents listening to parents, mm-hmm. and, and working out a plan for yeah. how to work together and never at odds with each other. And, yeah. you know, speaking of that, there are some really destructive things that have happened because yeah. grandparents like yeah. to give too much advice. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen grandmothers say, I cannot believe that she's doing it that way. That is not the way to take care of that baby and so on. And I just like, please don't say anything. Just say, you're doing a great job. You are doing a great job. In fact, Richard has been known to say a little bit too much. And I carry <laughs> a, a roll of duct tape in my purse. I just take it out and put it over his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Do not say it. Don't, don't, don't say it. We could solve a lot of problems if our kids would ask us, but that is not the way. That's to do not it. the way that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And I do think that building this relationship of trust and open communication is the key. Right. And having loving discussions when a boundary is crossed. I can think of an example. I have a son with a lot of sensory needs, and he's extremely picky. And I noticed that, and. I, my dad does listen to my podcast. So dad, I'm not throwing you under the bus because you did a beautiful job with this. But um, <laughs> my dad would sometimes when he came to visit, he would kind of badger my son, like, aren't you going to eat more? You should finish that. And yeah. so my dad was flying in to see us and he was landing at the airport and I realized, oh, I never talked to my dad about that issue. And so I texted my dad and I said, hey, we're so excited to see you. I just wanted to let you know I've been working with a pediatric specialist on picky eating, and she says, don't say a word about it. And I just want you to have fun with him. You don't need to say a word about what he's eating. And my dad said, Roger that. I will never say another word again. And he never has. That's a great example. Yeah. And it's just, that's who my dad is. I know that I can just say to him, hey, you don't need to take that role in his life. I will take care of that. You just need to love him and have fun with him. And I wasn't even nervous to have that conversation with my dad because I knew he would not be offended and it would be great. But some people don't have that kind of a relationship with their parents or with their in-laws. It can be trickier to navigate and to have these conversations. Most don't, Rachel. And that's why Having these regular dinners, not with the kids there, just the parents and the grandparents and really talking it through. And you know what saves the day is that the focus is always on the kids. You're not talking about, it's not about you as a parent. It's not about you as a grandparent. It's about the kids. And you're you're teaming up to try to do what's best by them. And that really tends to bring people together. And one of the things we do is the thing you mentioned a while ago, Rachel, a five-facet review. Take each child, you know, how's he doing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, talk about each of those things. And what you're doing is becoming well-versed on each of those. With kids. a grandchild. I right. Mean, with the parents right. because they know them so well. But you're so right, Rachel. It's just that encouragement is so much more important than anything that correcting can do, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm assuming that can be hard as a grandparent because you have lived it. You have raised the kids. Sometimes you know you're not just being critical. You actually know that there's a better way to do it. But it's just important to just not say anything and to just love and encourage and support. I know you can do this. I know this is going to work out. I'm so sorry that and, this is so hard. If you do that, what's going to happen eventually, Rachel, is your kids are more likely to say, well, give me some advice on this, mom. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. 
Now you're really in the yeah, right but, relationship. But even if they ask, I think you need to be careful. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just think remembering that you were a new mom once too, and you learned it all somehow, and they will too, you know? There right. Exactly. There you go. You're exactly right. Well, this has been such a wonderful conversation with so many concrete ideas for how to build this relationship. I know if there's grandparents listening, they're wanting to be more like this. And if there are parents listening, they may be thinking, how do I help my parents to want this? We're getting a lot of a lot of the people signing up for this grandparenting 101. We do a survey. We say, how did you hear about this? From my daughter who told me <laughs> I should take this course. Yes, yes, absolutely. Is that something that just opens periodically or is it open all the time? Thanks for asking that. Yeah. There's been some misunderstanding on that, Rachel. You can join anytime because there's six modules in the course and each one stands alone. So and it each one's recorded. Yeah, so it doesn't matter can. when you enter. People can enter at any time and go through all six. First one's on being in the autumn of your life, accepting your role of who you really are. Mm. Second module is what are the roles and goals that you want to assume as a grandparent. Then it gets into individual relationships. The smart support, a lot of the issues with grandparenting are how much to help them financially and how to do it in a way that doesn't entitle them and that fits with the parents and so mm -hmm. on. And the second, the last one's on values and faith. And the last one, the one we really look forward to is being the trunk, the one that connects the roots, the ancestors, the, the past to the future, the branches, the grandchildren. Well, I just want to thank you both so much for your decades and decades of work for families. It's made a tremendous difference in my life, and I can't even imagine the thousands of families <laughs> that you've made better because you have not only been so intentional about the raising of your own children, but you've shared what you've learned, and it's blessed so many people. So thank you for continuing this work for grandparents. You were just amazing, and I'm so grateful that you came on my podcast. Yeah, thank you, Rachel, and right back at you. You are making a huge difference as well. Thank you for all that you're doing. Yeah, we really do appreciate your work, Rachel. Keep it up. I just love those two and smiled throughout the interview as I watched them interact. I'm so inspired by their takeaways on intentional grandparenting. And as a recap, this is what they taught us. First, the relationship between children and grandparents can be a decisive factor in the long-term confidence and resilience of a child. Grandparents can be champions for their grandchildren in ways that parents may not be able to be because grandparents often have more time, space, emotional distance, and perspective than parents who are in the trenches. Second, traditions and routines with grandparents can present opportunities to build that confidence and resilience in children. This might include something like a yearly interview on their birthday, Grammy camp in the summer, a family history night during your annual family reunion where you tell memorable stories about your ancestors, or a weekly or monthly Zoom call. I love that Linda mentioned that she wants her grandchildren to know what she loves and values, and she gives them a little incentive with a monetary bonus if they can memorize her favorite scriptures, songs, or paintings. How special that those children really know her, instead of it being a one-sided relationship where she knows everything about them, but they know very little about who she is beyond being their grandma. Such fun ideas for cultivating strong cross-generational relationships. And I have to add that if you're looking for some ideas for simple holiday traditions that connect generations, I have an entire episode about that, which I recorded four years ago with my grandparents. It mentions foods, games, and traditions you could easily personalize for your own family. And I'll link that in the show notes. 
And third and finally, don't forget that parents have the stewardship over the children and grandparents are the secondary support. This means that grandparents offer more encouragement than unsolicited advice. I love the idea of having a quarterly meeting with grandparents to talk about how children are doing and what grandparents can do to be a support. These conversations may feel forced and a little uncomfortable at first, but as you do them more frequently, my guess is that you'll come to trust each other more and the synergy and support will only grow. I'm so incredibly grateful to have had wonderful grandparents on both sides, and I'm so grateful that my children have wonderful grandparents on both sides. I know this is rare, and it can be such a richly beneficial relationship for a child. If you're interested in learning more about how you can build this cross-generational support system in your family, check out grandparenting101.com, which I will link in the show notes. My friend, thank you so much for listening in today as we continue into the busy holiday season. I'm rooting for you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.